Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Happy Wednesday, my Busy Mumsies. Ash here, and today I am welcoming Charlie Launder onto the show. We have a million and one friends in common, and I honestly cannot believe that we have not met yet. So um, this is going to be quite fun. Well, Charlie is the founder of Bumps and Burpees, which she created in 2014 to provide a space for women to feel supported and empowered through their pregnancy and into motherhood. Since then, Charlie has helped hundreds of women stay fit and strong and sassy and all the feelings with her one-to-one personal training, Instagram fitness classes, and now she has developed an online platform dedicated to pre and postnatal fitness. I have no doubt that I will remind you in this chat with Charlie, but all of her details are in the show notes. So if you are in need of more support pre-postnatal, check out her courses, check it all out in the show notes. Now let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy chat. Charlie Barker, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you. And you know what, Charlie, I'm going to sing that. And you know why? Because ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, I officially forgot to hit record. I did it. <laughs> I just you know saw what? it started. I was like, huh? What? We are, we are going to be real on this podcast right now. And I am going to definitely <laughs> tell you that I can't even blame it on baby brain right now because Addie is three. So baby oh, brain no, it last last maybe, a long time. maybe lack of sleep. Lack of coffee, I do not know. Charlie, it is so nice to finally meet you. So good. And you know, I've p- previously recorded an entire workout and at the end realized it stopped recording at the beginning. Yeah, we're fine. Right, right out the gate, we are kindred spirits. We've got a million friends in common. So that is fabulous. And yet we have never met. And here we are. And I'm not making good first impressions. So I'm going to try to make up for it throughout the, our busy months. <laughs> real it's real life stuff happens so we don't mind we can move on from that oh charlie well thank you for allowing some time for me i know that you guys have been like on a vacation and you know you're raising two boys two boys so i can't even imagine what the madness is under your roof it's pretty mad and i tell you what we've come we went for a week to mallorca it was with two other families so there was five kids under three And it was a lot of work. I feel like when we used to go on holiday, my mom would always say, oh, it's not a holiday for me. And I used to think, oh, my gosh, he's so complaining all the time. I get it. I totally get it. We had the best week. But me and my husband have come back 
completely shattered. Like we are way more tired than before we went on our holiday. Not to say we wouldn't do it again. Like we loved it. But my God, it was like, if you're not with the kids, you're cooking for the kids. And if you're not cooking for the kids, you're clearing up after it. And it, it just never ended. But the boys had the time of their life. And it was just so special seeing them just excited about a new place. And it was great. But yeah, we need a holiday now after that holiday, I think. What is it like traveling with two kids under, or, or like under three, essentially? Under three. So we have one almost three-year-old and one just turned one. It was a lot. Like, I think the thing I've learned is that you have to, you know, my boys are in a pretty good routine. They sleep at the same time most days. But on, on travel, you just have to let that all go because even though we flew at nap time, no naps were had because it's so overstimulating for them, so exciting that I think my, my one-year-old usually has a total of like three hours sleep a day and he had 20 minutes. That is it. The whole journey, 20 minutes. But he was fine. It was me that was not fine. I was like, why isn't he sleeping? And then once I got over that, I think it was a lot less stressful, but you have to bring 1 million snacks. You have to bring so many things for them to do because their attention span is like 10 seconds long. So on a plane, you can't be like, well, I've got five books. That'll be great. Like they read one book in one minute. They're done. They need the next thing. So it wasn't chill, but it was fine. We it. <laughs> give them stickers. Cause let me tell you, if I travel with a, a pack of a thousand that is sure to fill up 30 minutes and it's like yeah. gold. Stickers are good. Um, tiny little cars and figures, um, fidget spinners, like everything you can think of um, help. You know, even like my keys, my phone, like anything. <laughs> and really all he wanted to do was walk up and down the aisle. So actually whatever you prepare for is not enough. But I don't mean to scare people off. I just mean to let people know, don't bring a book. You're not going to read a book. Don't bring your headphones. You're not going to listen to a podcast. Just accept that the travel is you chaperoning your kids. It's not like a nice, relaxing plane journey for you. And once you accept that, it's fine. We got You know, it, it, it makes me instantly think. So um, I had a, a gal named Carmen of Top Flight Family. Um, she and her family have this incredible blog and platform where they, they travel the world. And I asked her, do you feel when you travel with the girls when they were younger, because they're like, they're nine and 11 now, but back when they first started traveling, did you apologize? So Charlie, when you got on that plane, were you looking around going, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so like already apologizing before the flight took off. I think I was looking around thinking, oh God, oh God, who, who's sitting around us? I didn't who's apologize. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't apologize outwardly because we had the sweetest old couple behind us in the first, in the first flight. And the boys were looking over the seats and they were, they were playing peekaboo with them, like so, so sweet. Um, but there were so many families on the flight and I just thought it's two hours. No one's going to care. And personally, I never care when kids make noise. I'm more like, oh God, I hope the parents are okay. Um, and the air flights, the stewardesses are so sweet. You know, there was no, nothing that was troubling anyone, it seemed. And on the way back, my youngest, I put him in the, the carrier attached to me, hoping to maybe encourage him to sleep. It didn't work. What happened was he um, gagged on a raisin and he vomited all over me, all down my front. And actually, everybody was so kind. I was having wipes thrown to me, napkins, people asking if they could help. Like, actually, I think we panic about what people think. But 
but generally it's more us than them they're they're just happy they don't have this stick on them you know they it I think we need to just stay in our own bubble do what you need to do because if you start apologizing to everybody that's another stress that you're putting on yourself and so that wasn't an issue for me I just thought I need to just get on with my journey and figure out how to how to get there in one piece for me and you survived and now you and your husband deserve a vacation yes Yes, I think what we decided is that next time we go away, we're going to book a babysitter for all day when we get back. So even just so we can unpack and put clothes in the washing machine, because we came back and it was like, oh, my God, we can't get anything done. So we're learning some lessons along the way. I'll tell you what, Dubai is the best vacation spot to go as a family, because you can. There's so many opportunities, even within the hotel, that they provide nanny yeah. service, even if it's for an hour. And a, yeah. most of those hotels there also have like a daycare play school that you're allowed to do a drop off for like two to four hours. You know, what's funny is that because my eldest was born in lockdown and everything, we didn't fly with him till he was, till I was almost about to have my second. We were like, we've got to go on a holiday with just one before we have two. We went to Dubai. Um, and so what I was Googling everywhere is which hotel has a crash for under twos? Because that, to me, was the most important thing. I needed to drop him off. And he loved it. And I got, you know, an hour or two to myself. And so it was great. Like you, we have to rest and do all the things for ourselves so we can be the best for our child. There is nothing selfish or wrong with that at all. And I actually talk about this a lot online, is that there's this whole narrative that we should feel mum guilt when we do anything for ourselves. And it's almost drummed into us that we should be feeling that way. Like if we go to the gym or if we go to see our friends for dinner or something, we should be feeling really guilty. And actually, I don't feel guilty um, because they're fine. I always make sure they're with somebody that they know or that's great with them, you know. And I know that I'm such a better mom when I come back and I'm so excited to see them and I get rid of that overwhelm and I do something for me. And I just don't feel that guilt because I think it's really important for both of us. Yeah, but I I can instantly reflect when we were doing lockdown and we came out and then we were back in and then we were out. With Adia, my husband traveled so much, so she was just with me on my hip while I taught. And I didn't realize the person I was becoming teaching because I was so like manic and I was trying to care for her and be there for her, but then be there for clients. And I could not balance it out that literally once we made the move here and I have help here and I'm fortunate to have it, I am an overall better mom because of it. And I, oh, like at first there, there was mom guilt. There was absolute mom guilt, but there is no way in heck I would be able to redo a podcast recording with you in the middle of the afternoon. When, when I, Addy is literally on the other side of this wall right now, playing with Anna, the nanny. I never would have been able to do it. And I actually always say that juggling the two mom life and career is the hardest thing. Like looking after a child isn't the difficult thing. It's doing anything else whilst looking after the child because that's, looking after the child is a full-time thing. Trying to yes. add something else in is really hard and it makes you feel bad because you're not doing either of them properly because you're trying to go from one to the other. So actually carving out time and it's, and it's hard to do at the beginning. Now my youngest is one. I finally feel like I'm starting to claw a bit of that time back. He's just started nursery two days a week. So on those two days, 
I can really focus on me and my business and whatever else I need to do. And then when I have them both, I don't, I've done my day of that stuff so I can be there with them doing kids stuff. And it's so much better. Um, so I, I've learned the hard way that juggling both at the same time is, is really challenging. And I think before I had kids, I had this wonderful idea of, like you said, having my kids with me, teaching all the classes and just being, being like the mega mom that does it all at the same time. And actually it's so hard to do. It's so hard and no one's giving you a medal for it. And you're just like, wait, where, where's my round of applause for this? And there's no one to be had, no one to be had. Well, Charlie, I definitely want to get into talking about bumps and burpees as your platform is incredible, A, and B, I know the listeners are going to want to hear all about it and learn more and dive on it, which all the information will be in the show notes. But I want to rewind back because you've gone on an amazing vacation. You are living your best life as a mom and a mom to two, but this journey was not easy for you and to get to where you are now. And I would love for you to share as as myself, I, I can relate as I too have miscarried. And I know that for you, you went through a bit of a roller coaster. And I would love for you to share the journey to help to inspire other busy mumsies. Absolutely. So I think I worked with mums for years and years and years before I had any kids, before I even wanted to get pregnant. And even though lots of them struggled with miscarriages and things, you just never think it's going to happen to you. I just, I even not. though we know, we know how common it is, I think you just think you're a bit invincible. Um, Come on, you are perfect. Toss, toss. I know. Like whenever anyone says to me, oh, but it, you know, this might happen, you think, yeah, not to me though, obviously. Um, and so when we got married, we then just started, you know, okay, well, we'll try for a baby. And we were so lucky. We got pregnant really quickly. And then a week later, started bleeding oh god it was it was horrible it was like oh my god wow but I knew that was really common and it was like okay gosh that was that was really sad but it showed me how much I really want it to happen so we tried again and straight away the very next month we got pregnant again so you know I felt so lucky and almost didn't want to tell anyone how quick we were getting pregnant because I thought gosh people will be so jealous of me then um that pregnancy started going great no bleeding. I felt a bit sick. I was secretly really happy about feeling awful because you think, oh, that, this is what's supposed to be. I feel like this is right. Then we got to the 12-week scan and they said, you know, you immediately you expect to see that wriggly little alien looking thing. And it wasn't like that. It looked um, a lot smaller. It wasn't moving around a lot. And they just were saying, hmm. I think maybe you conceived a different date when you thought you did because it looks a bit smaller. So come back in two weeks. So I I agreed and we went home and I was just doing all the maths and I was thinking, but surely it can't because I was just pregnant like just before, but maybe you don't know. And so I did a lot of Googling, which I I recommend people not to do, but it's hard not to. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. It's impossible not to. Um, and by the time I went back to this appointment, I'd like positively talk myself around and I was thinking, well, look, I'm not bleeding. Like clearly something is going right. So had the scan and she was just like, gave, that, gave me that look where you just know what she's going to say. And I almost felt sorry for her in such a British way. I was like apologizing to her. I was like, oh God, what a horrible part of your job to have to do this. Don't worry, don't worry. You know, I know what you're going to say. And she just said, look, there's no heartbeat and 
it hasn't grown at all anymore. Like, I'm really sorry. And she explained to me that it can be a missed miscarriage. So your body doesn't recognize that their pregnancy has passed. Um, and she said, look, sometimes it happens naturally, but clearly it's been two weeks and your body's not doing its thing. So she said to me, you could have a surgery, but there's a bit of a backlog with the NHS. So it would be like two more weeks wait. And I, and I was qu feeling quite uneasy about the idea of this fetus baby being inside me and not being alive and it'd been there for a while already so I wanted something a bit quicker so she explained that they could um sort of induce me so you'd have pessaries um and it would take a few hours and then it would start to get things going you'd have a few light contractions and then she said it would be like a period so that all sounded quite easy you know stress-free to me so I thought okay yeah we'll do that so the pessaries came home with me, took them at home, and like clockwork, four hours later, started getting these cramps. Quite at the time, I was thinking, God, these are really bad. But now I've given birth, I realize they're, they're not as bad. <laughs> they're not as bad as actual contractions, but they were sore. Um, and plus, it was bringing up emotions in me, you know, it was a sad, it was a hard time. But what the reason why I was quite open and honest about this afterwards is because her saying it'll be like a period completely dulled down what was about to happen to me it was quite traumatic it was not like a period I've ever experienced it was a lot of blood a lot of stuff and it was very emotional I found it really tricky and so after that happened um it was like 12 hours of contractions and things happening and I felt really quite empty afterwards and it took me a while we had a break after that of trying for a baby because I just needed to like, I felt really cross at my body, really angry. And I just needed time to like regain that trust. And I don't know, I felt like I didn't know it again. And I'd always been quite in tune with things. And so we took the summer off. I spoke really openly about miscarriage and, and met some amazing people through Instagram who'd said that they've been through it too. And suddenly you felt part of this club that is a horrible club to be part of, but it's really, it's really supportive and inclusive and, it just opens up the world of like, God, pregnancy is not this innocent, magical thing for everybody. And it's, you know, it involves a lot of anxiety and a lot of heartache and stuff. And then after we had our break from trying a couple of months, we tried again. And again, we got pregnant very quickly, which is again, very lucky. But six, seven weeks later, started bleeding again. And I just thought, I can't, I can't believe this is happening again. You just think we've had a break. This is a new start. It's not going to happen again. So I went through some of the testing because in the UK you have to wait for, it's sad, you have to wait for three miscarriages in a row to qualify for testing because it, as we know, it's very common to miscarry. So after three, they consider it recurrent miscarriage. And all the tests they did came back completely normal. And so they just said to me, you know, it's just bad luck. And I think just keep going. And as much as it's reassuring to hear that there's nothing negative coming back in the testing, it's frustrating because you think, so there's nothing anyone can do to help me. This is really hard. Like, why is it happening? Anyway, we got pregnant again and again miscarried around the same time. And so I was seeing an acupuncturist at the time who specialised in fertility. And she said, look, you keep miscarrying at the same week. This signifies to me that something is going on in your body when it gets to that week. So she recommended a doctor. I had to go private and it was a real big chat with my husband about, look, we have these savings. We were going to buy a house, all these things, but let's dig into the savings. We'll go to see this doctor. And as it happened, when we got to see him, we were pregnant again. 
So this was the fifth pregnancy. And he was really across about it because he said, I need like you shouldn't be pregnant when you come to me. This is the whole point. I'm trying to help figure out why this is happening. So he was quite harsh and open and honest with us saying, look, we have to just assume this pregnancy is going to miscarry, but we'll do all the testing anyway and just see what's going on in, in your body whilst you're pregnant. So he did all the testing and he could it flagged up immediately that I had a very high level of natural killer cells. And so what was happening is my body was um, seeing a pregnancy as a threat, like a disease. And it was immediately going, right, we have to get rid. Like, this is bad news. This is something we've never seen before. And it was trying to protect me. So what he could do with that, and he said it was probably too late to do it because you're already into the pregnancy, but he could give me a whole concoction of steroids, immunosuppressants to help my body just calm everything down and stop trying to attack this pregnancy. And then he said, but look, this pregnancy is going to miscarry. So come back in two weeks and we'll just see. So it was really hard for me to know I was pregnant, but try to detach myself from it. But obviously from the last four pregnancies, I got pretty good at not getting excited, sadly. Um, but we went back in two weeks and there was that little flickering heartbeat. The first time we'd seen a heartbeat and he was shocked. He was like, oh, my God, maybe we got there in time. And that little heartbeat turned out to be Alfie. So it was so lucky. So that, that he held on in there. But I basically had to go in for IV drips, steroid treatment, all these things for half of the pregnancy. And then got weaned off them very slowly once they were very sure my placenta was doing all the work and everything was fine. And from halfway onwards, it was considered a normal pregnancy. But they basically had to tell my body, it's OK, relax. This is a good thing. Um, but the anxiety I felt like until I had him in my arms, I didn't breathe one single deep breath. I don't think. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I am slightly angry at your doctor though, but what the doctor who said he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna survive. Uh, yeah. you, know, but I think, you know, from, from the statistics of what my last year had been through, it was fair of him to be like, let's not get our hands up. I, because what he wanted to do was prepare my immune system before I got pregnant. So he said right. it was very lucky that he hung on in there. Um, but what I find is a shame is that the NHS can't fund this natural killer cell testing because it is quite expensive. So I count myself so lucky that we had savings to be able to, to look into it. Whereas there are so many women who maybe don't ever know that that's an option and just cannot cannot have a full-term pregnancy and it's it's really scary to think that and I mean I'm sure we'll go on to it but my second pregnancy because it was so expensive to do that treatment we hadn't saved up enough but my acupuncturist said you know sometimes a full-term pregnancy can teach your body that that's okay and it might be that next time you try to be pregnant, it won't freak out so much. So that's why we have a fairly short age gap, because we wanted to not leave it too long so that the body forgot what a pregnancy was. So we have a 20 month age gap. So on my son's first birthday, I did a pregnancy test and we were like, OK, then we're pregnant. And we had to assume that it might miscarry and that we'd need to go back in for this treatment. But it didn't. And we didn't need any treatment for the second pregnancy because I think my body was like, well, we've done this before. No need to stress. Let's just relax. Keep it going. And yeah, that pregnancy went as complete, as smooth as it could, basically. And so it was it was weird because I was like, 
why is every scan good? Like this is, I've never experienced this before. Like everything's going to plan. And it was, it was weird because I almost was like, when's it going to go wrong? When's something going to happen? I wasn't trusting that it could just be smooth all the way through. Um, I think the innocence was robbed of me. Right. And, and because of that journey, what does motherhood mean to you now? Well, you know what? I'd love to say that every single day is a blessing and I count myself lucky every day. And I do. When I really think about it, I do. I'm so grateful for, for both of them and the fact that, you know, it ended up working out for us. But when you're in the thick of motherhood and it's hard and you're exhausted, you feel guilty because on days where you're like, oh, my God, I just want some a break from them. It's so difficult. And then you hear that voice in your head being like, Charlie, this is all you wanted for so long. But I feel like you're allowed to feel those feelings of overwhelm as well as the grateful feelings. And, and we don't always have to caveat. Obviously, I love my kids when you're moaning about them because it's a given. We all know that, that we love our kids. And that us by saying they're having a really tricky toddler day today and God, they're pushing my buttons does not mean that we don't love them. But motherhood is something I always knew I wanted to do. My I'm one of four and I'm the oldest and my youngest brother is 16 years younger than me. So I really grew up with babies in the house and just knew I wanted to do it myself. So I just, I'm so grateful and lucky that I'm doing it, but it doesn't mean that every day is, you know, golden and wonderful and rainbows in my house all the time because bloody hard. Yeah, so not Instagram grid worthy? No, 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 no. And I, I really, really try and share that because I think it's so tricky when you're having a day like that and you scroll through everybody's immaculate houses and kids mm. that are eating, you know, lentil curries with their knife and fork and your kid is like shoving fish fingers in with ketchup all over their face and you think, oh, I'm such a bad mom. But actually, oh, I really try and share that. had Pringles. She literally oh, just Pringles. Great. It is what it is. Sour yeah, cream and if they're eating they're eating and I think I really try and share both sides of things because I think it's it's so bad for us to only see the glossy side of motherhood because it's rarely like that you know like in a day you can have 500 different emotions from your child and you and you only share the one picture of them sitting calmly cuddling you and you and you can't you caption it saying like my world but actually the minute before that they were screaming you like just sit down Smile for the camera. And Listen, people, I'm yeah, on day four of this child coming home from school and putting on a Moana outfit. Like, I mean, it's like Groundhog's Day in this household. It's Pringles and it's Moana. So, you know, you, you pick and you put your angles and it just is what it is. Now, yeah. Charlie, going into your business, Bumps and Burpees, when did you start this? Because was it before you had kids or was this... Ignite this was so this started before you had kids. Now you then are training your personal training women who are hoping to have a child, are expecting. How was that for you though during your time? Because like I'm trying to put that together in my head while we're sitting here, and I'm like, wait a minute, there this could not have been easy. No, it was it was really tricky when I was have going through all these miscarriages because. For example, the first time I got pregnant at the same time one of my clients did, and I was going to her house because at this time, Bumps and Burpees was not online. Online came after COVID. So I'll go into that later. But at, before COVID, I would go to people's houses. I would train them. I would cuddle their babies. I would be like the second mom in the in the session. And 
I then found it really hard seeing clients progress with their pregnancies that I should have been the same stage as them. And they were so sweet about it. So, so sweet. And it was tough. It was tough. And I would put on such a brave face during the day. And then I'd come home and I'd feel so shattered from doing that, like acting all day, basically. Um, But it was my job. And, you know, the professionalism in me just came out and, you know, I did my job and whatever, but it was, it was tricky. The business, the Bumps and Burpees started in 2014 and I had a baby in 2020. So I'd done a lot of years of working with pregnant women. So I, I had a, like a robotic mode, if you like, where I went into it. It was like, perfect. I will detach my emotion from this. This is just work. Um, and I, I still am so excited for other people. I think early on I would get envious, but I wouldn't, I would, be quite honest with myself saying just because they're having a baby doesn't mean you can't I don't want their baby so they can be pregnant and I will you know I will get there one day but it was it was hard to see them having the baby at the same time that I should have been um but I had lovely clients they were so sweet and understanding about it so I could really talk to them about how I was feeling what sparked the energy to go specifically for expecting, you know, pre-postnatal, like go that route with your um, fitness expertise? Well, it was, it's again, something that I didn't plan at all. It just happened. So I, I, I qualified as a personal trainer with, with no specific niche. And I went to work in a, um, like a chain gym. And I was training actually weirdly, mostly men. Um, for weight loss goals, general fitness uh, increase, that kind of thing. And there was one lady in the gym that sort of had the mum market cornered and all day, every day, she'd have the mums coming to her, you know, in queues, basically. And it didn't even spark to me like, oh, I want to do that. I just was like, oh, well, that's what she does. And she then came to me one day and said, look, my husband's been relocated. I'm moving do you want all my clients? And as a newly qualified personal trainer, you were trying to build up your books. I was like, yeah, definitely. So before she left, I did my pre and postnatal course. Uh, I was reading up about it loads, was chatting to lots of other friends and mums, you know, about experiences, trying to get my knowledge up as much as I could. And so I, I kind of overnight gained like 15 clients, which is a lot when I was seeing some of them twice, three times a week and really quickly realized that it's a niche that I found so interesting. And I think I was just a little bit bored of training people who wanted to lose weight, but weren't really prepared to put in the work to do it. They'd see me once a week and expect that to be like the magic pill. And I really liked going on the journey with these women of something that was so much more than their looks it was something where they wanted to look after their body. They were feeling a bit apprehensive and I could really be a pillar of strength for them in that time and help them feel like they were doing something to help, you know, to put a positive spin on what they were feeling or to be in control of all these changes in their body and that kind of thing. And I felt like I was going on the journey with them because what would happen is I was train them in their pregnancy. And then afterwards I would go and visit the baby in their house, have a cup of tea with them. I would have cuddles with the baby. I felt like I was part of their family. It was so lovely. And then somebody called me one day and said, I have had five miscarriages and my friend recommended me to you because she said, you're the local expert in pre and postnatal training. And in my head, I was going, what? Oh my God. But to her, I said, oh yes, yep, I am that. That is me. And in my head, I was thinking, yeah, I love the sound of that. That is what I want. And so from then on, 
I did loads more courses. I was um, spending lots of time uh, learning different things. And, you know, pregnancy is something that's evolving all the time with research. And so it's massively can't stop learning about that because you'll fall behind. And what's recommended 10 years ago is not recommended now. And everything's just always changing. So I just made it my mission to suddenly be like, this is where I want to be. And um, what I realized by training these mums in the gym is that often they'd have to cancel because their childcare fell through, their, ki- their kid was a bit sick or didn't sleep through the night, everyone was tired. And then I realized the baby needs to be there sometimes, but the mum doesn't want to be holding the baby. So actually what I can do is be there to do everything possible to keep the baby happy whilst the mum has their time. Because there's a real place for, you know, these buggy fit sessions where the baby is part of the class and whatever. But I think it's also really important for the mum to have that time for themselves. Absolutely. And so I decided to make bumps and burpees where the baby could be there totally fine, but it's not like part of the workout. They're just able to be there if you want them to be, but it's your workout and it's all about you. It's not this pink, fluffy mumsy thing where we wrap you in cotton wool like let's get back to working out and get you strong and feeling great again but if your baby has to be there your baby has to be there like I get it mum life doesn't mean a perfect child free time when you plan it because stuff happens and so it evolved like that and it evolved through my clients through me learning what's good and what's not good and sometimes the client would be training whilst I'd be kicking a football to the three-year-old whilst bottle feeding the baby and the mum's going what next? I'm like, oh, lunch is next. And, you know, it was chaos, but that's sometimes how it has to be. And I've been learning a lot through going through it with them. And then when I became a mom, my God, I just, I was like, oh my God, you're all amazing for doing this. Like, it's so hard. So I think my language changed rather than, oh, just find half an hour in the day. Now I'm like, sometimes you but can't even. Too. Like, think about your, your, it's now your ribs and your hips and your diaphragms and your throat, like all of those things, you now really understand that side of it. So if anything, it's, it's confidence. It's now like, I get it now do this. Cause really and it's feeling about, it. like, well done for even coming to the class. If you don't finish it, it doesn't matter, but well done for prioritizing it. And it's my language and empathy has changed because I realized that it's not a case of just finding half an hour in that for a, a mum to find half an hour free to exercise, they would have had to do a long list of things to get that sorted. And that's really hard to do. So I think it's way more about like, there's a hundred things it is bumps and burpees is about now as well as the exercise it's about confidence it's about motivation it's about empowerment and the exercise you know that's like you can't get the exercise done if you can't get the other things as well so it's bumps and burpees has really evolved as I've become a mum myself now as someone who is perhaps second trimester can they reach out to still work out with you and the bumps and burpees team or with your courses because you know like some people have that first trimester is a disaster and they can't move. They are so sick. So then they're like, wait a minute, I want to implement in my second trimester. Like, do you have advice on that for anyone that's kind of like now in that word of like, oh, I feel amazing now. Now I yeah. know I need to do strength and my well, breathing. That question all the time, because I think there's this general rule that's flying around, which is like, um, if you're pregnant, you can do things that you've always done 
And then people think if they stop exercising for the first trimester, it's like, oh God, can I start now? Or is it, is it a lost cause? And that's why our online courses, so we have a pregnancy plan online and you can either buy it as a whole pregnancy plan, 40 weeks, or you can buy trimester by trimester. And that is because even if you're in your third trimester, you can still start exercising if suddenly you feel good to do so. You just have to ease yourself in, do what feels good for you. Don't jump ahead of yourself. Listen to your body. Um, so if you're a regular exerciser before pregnancy and then the first trimester completely floors you and you're in bed all day, when you come back to exercising, don't go back in with the expectation of being where you were before. Because one, you're now pregnant. Two, you've had like three months off, which is quite a long time in the exercise world it's not a long time in terms of oh god you're going to have lost all your strength and everything but it just takes time to build back and I think we all should listen to our bodies but when we're pregnant even more so because that's the only sign we have that things are okay and things are feeling good and what you're doing your body is liking so yeah at any week in your pregnancy you can start exercising as long as you're doing something that is suitable for you at that stage so our, our pregnancy plan I filmed it whilst I was pregnant with Barney my youngest so every single week I filmed the classes with my bump growing one you forgot to hit record right just to make me feel better you forgot to yes. hit record oh my god so when I was I was like at the end of the pregnancy and I just finished the class and I went to turn it off and I was like oh my god it's not on I was dripping with sweat I was like shit I've got to do it again I can't believe it and I think I was very honest too where I logged on I was like guys this is the second time I've done this class um but what's nice is that I'm doing the class with everyone so if it's burning your legs it's burning my legs and I'm telling you about it and I'm there with my bump going oh I can feel the kicks and you know it's it's nice because when I had had my miscarriages and I even though I knew exercising isn't going to cause a miscarriage I was still nervous and so I think there's a lot of anxiety around exercising in pregnancy and so if the person teaching you is also pregnant you can be completely rest assured that you know it's safe because if she's doing it well that's you know I can do it love 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 I have to ask for that expecting busy mumsy that is in the thick of that third trimester and I immediately think of all the cheese that I consumed and the lack of exercise that I did what would be your top five things, the top five go-to moves or, you know, words of wisdom to that, um, you know, mama bear that's nearing the end? Well, I think, first of all, you don't get any gold medals for exercising to, till the very end. If you feel like at 35 weeks or 30 weeks that, that, you know, you need to stop with the weights, you need to stop with the whatever, then you do that. Just walking around your house with that bump is enough you know so if you feel like you want to exercise till week 40 to due date you can if you don't want to you don't I have walked. to I you you hit it nail on the head for me I walked like I stopped teaching group fitness I had personal training clients I still saw like two days prior to having Adia but walking for me was the perfect solution for my very large tummy Exactly. And and with my second pregnancy, towards the end, I did a lot more swimming than anything else because I felt so mm. good. I think my main bit of advice for anyone in pregnancy, but especially at the end, is to to do you. Even if you're, you know, your twin sister is doing something else to you, it doesn't mean it works for you. Like you've got to do what feels good. Um, and the other thing is, if you're knackered, you need to, if you want to work out and you're exhausted and you feel heavy, whatever, you want to make the best use of your time in that workout. So let's stop with the tiny bicep curls. Let's do 
bigger movements like um, a squat with a press. So in one movement, you're getting all these body parts moving rather than focusing on the calf raise and the bicep curler. Let's do bigger movements so the workout can be shorter. You get more done in less time. And maybe that works better for you when you're feeling exhausted and you just want to tick the box quickly. Um, but also, as we just said before, the workout doesn't need to be in a sports bar and trainers. Like you could go swimming, you could go walking, you could um, do some gardening. Like even that's hard work. Um, and if you've got another child running around that you've got to chase after that, let me tell you, in my second pregnancy, I honestly was more exhausted than I was in newborn days. And if anyone here is pregnant with their second, it actually gets less hard when the newborn arrives because you are not so exhausted with your big bump trying to run around after a, another child. So I'd say anything in pregnancy, but especially third trimester is just do what works for you and take off all the pressure Charlie, beautiful words of wisdom. And thank you so much for coming on the Busy Mumsy podcast. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and obviously, I'm always happy to answer questions from anyone. So, if, you know, my Instagram DMs are always open. I have such wonderful chats with women on there. So I know that pregnancy exercise is such a, such a worrying thing for some people. It's like such a new phase of their life. So I just think if you're unsure of anything, ask, just ask. Absolutely. And again, everything is in the show notes. So please go there, your Instagram, your website, it's all there. And I will shout it from the rooftops when this episode goes live. Boom. Thank you. So great to chat to you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rock and review, and please share with any fellow busy mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.